Man, we have had a great day so far, and I cannot wait to continue uh, our series, Culture Clash. Somebody say Culture Clash. Now I need you to say it like it's a problem, right? I need to say Culture Clash. It's like Halloween, we're in, you know, like that kind of time. It's like spooky. It's like, we don't know what he's going to talk about. Is it going to be controversial? Who knows what's going to happen? Okay, it's going to be cray cray. No, listen, let me tell you. Culture clash, what is this all about? It's all about standing on God's word when culture does not. Like culture is telling you one thing and God's word might be telling you something else. And these are the conversations that we are already having, y'all. Week one, we talked about alcohol in the Bible. We talked about different words and you know, the different words for alcohol. We talked about, is it a sin to drink alcohol as a Christian? And the answer is, I'm not gonna tell you, go back and watch week one, okay? Like catch up guys, come on now for real. Week two, last week, we talked about abortion. It was a really heavy topic. It was very, very difficult uh, to speak about. And we talked about the idea that, man, there's many women in this room and many men in this room that have been affected uh, by abortions. Maybe somebody that you know or a woman in this room. I know of many of them because I talked to them and they told me their stories. And so um, the idea that there's people in this room that we need to support and love, even though we stand on the word of God at the same time. Amen. And so we talked about that. And, th- and then this week, we're going to be talking about racism. Next week, let me put a little plug. We're talking about sexual sin. The week after that, we're talking about LGBTQ. And, you know, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Honestly, I really don't. Uh, I put it that on Facebook. I think it was yesterday, the day before. I was like, week one, alcohol, week two, abortion, week three, racism. Why in the world am I doing this to myself? All I have done for the last three weeks is just read the word of God, research, write, talk to people that have been affected by the topics that I'm talking about. That is all I have done. And you can talk to my staff about that. They are incredible. They're doing everything in this church right now. All I am doing is getting ready for this right here, right now, every single week, which by the way, can we give it up for our church staff? Like they're amazing. Like the fact that I don't even know what's happening on Saturday for the fall festival, but I know it's going to be awesome. All right. Because they're taking care of it. It's amazing. We have a great staff and a great rad team that's stepping up to serve. So, um, but today we're talking about racism. Why are we talking about all of these different topics? Let me just remind you, I've said it every week so far. It's because we're already talking about it. Media's talking about it. On Instagram and TikTok, we're talking about it. We're in the DMs about it. In the break room at work, we're talking about it. At the Thanksgiving table, you're gonna be talking about it. The political candidates are talking about it. And if you do not get a biblical worldview on these topics, culture will give you its really fast. Culture will tell you what it wants you to believe really, really quickly. And so we need to make sure that as a church, we're talking about these subjects and these issues. Why? Because we need to know what God's word says about these different things. Amen? So not just so that we can defend what God's word says, but so that we can just know. A lot of times we don't talk about these subjects in church. And I think that's wrong. I think we should tackle cultural issues head on. Why? Because they're not inherently cultural and political issues. Guys, these are biblical issues. These are moral issues. And that's why we're talking about these things. So today, talking about racism. It's a tough subject. It really is. In 2020, it was tougher than it's ever been, I think, for many of us that are on the younger generation here anyway. 2020, George Floyd dies in police custody. 
This reignites this racial conflict that many people had hoped that we had already put behind us. And I, I thought we were done with all this stuff. I, I thought we were at a place now where racism was gone and we were good, you know, and, and yet protests, riots, a nation divided once again over the same things that MLK Jr. was fighting 60 years ago. So where are we now? Is this still a conversation that we need to have today? I think the answer is a resounding yes. I really do. Because while we have come a long way, we still have a long way to go. We've come a long way and there's a lot of great things that have happened in our nation, but yet we still have ways to go. And so I love our church. Any, any of y'all love Radical Church? Come on, I know I do. I love our church. I think we have a pretty good one, honestly. Best in Hayes County, best in Austin area, best in Texas, best in the world. Okay, anyway. Might be a little presumptuous, but I think we're pretty cool. But one of the things I love about our church, other than that the presence of God is here and moving and the people are awesome, it's great. But one of the things I love about our church is that we are multicultural and multi-generational church. Oh, it's one of my favorite things about our church. Listen, when I planted our church uh, three years ago in 2020 as a 28-year-old in the middle of COVID, <clears throat> would not recommend that to anybody, okay? And yet, we planted this church, I fully expected most of the church to look like me. Be real, I'm be honest with you. Why? Because in church planting class, they always tell you to expect about 10 years younger than you and 10 years older than you, and that's gonna be the primary group of people that you will reach. Generally, people will come that look a little bit more like you. That's just kind of the statistics that how, that's how it works, right? And yet, that ain't how it happened at all. Look around the room right now, guys, okay? You can see just in this, small, in this second service, okay? First service, it was the same thing. They had even less people uh, than this service does, but even in a small sample size of people of our church, there's three services, and every single one of them, you can see that there are many different races, many different colors, many different backgrounds, many different languages that people speak. You might not even realize that a lot of the people come to our church, Spanish is their first language. They didn't even learn English until they were older. There's many other languages that are represented too, but we are multicultural, multi-generational. Uh, there's lots of different cultures and ethnicities that are represented here. The age is amazing. We have an amazing kids ministry back here called Rad Kids. They're helping your kiddos every single week find and follow Jesus and make friends. That's what it's all about. We have about 60, 65 kids back there every week. I love it. We have Rad Youth that meets here every Wednesday night. They take out these chairs and they maybe put holes in the wall sometimes, but it's amazing. I love it. And they have about 50 students that meet here every Wednesday night. Love it. Even they are very multicultural as well. I love that. It's awesome. And then we have adults all the way up to 90 years old. Miss Laverne was in first service and she just turned 90 years old. And man, I just love that. They're faithful. Her and her family have been coming for many, many years now, almost since the very beginning, I believe. And, and they serve almost every Sunday. You'll see Miss Laverne and her daughter, Bonnie, that will greet you at the doors almost every single Sunday. And so incredible, the, the age range that we have. And, and we have lots of religious backgrounds. I mean, we have uh, Baptists, we have Methodists, we have a whole lot of people that grew up Catholic uh, that come to Radical Church. And a lot of them had never even stepped foot in a Christian church before until they came to Radical Church. So all that loud music you just heard, it was like, whoa, you know, like that is crazy. I've never heard anything like that before. 
And so we have lots of different backgrounds uh, and, and religious backgrounds. Well, we got Pentecostals and we got Methodists. I mean, we got all of it, y'all. And then we have even socioeconomic different backgrounds and political backgrounds, people that have different views on politics. And, and to be honest, I absolutely love it that we don't have a dominant race or a dominant uh, uh, um, uh, culture here necessarily at Radical Church. It's beautiful. And I think it's better than I could have ever asked for, honestly. You know, you don't know what it's gonna be like when you first start a church, but I think God answered my prayers in so many ways that we would have a multi-generational and multi-ethnic, multicultural church that represents the kingdom of God. How many of y'all know when we get to heaven one day, it is gonna look like white chocolate, dark chocolate, and a lot of espresso, amen? Come on now, somebody. It's gonna be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let's like a bag of Skittles up there, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're gonna look amazing, praising God together. And so God made one race, and we know this, the human race. And yet we have so many different races and cultures. And, and, but ultimately, I want us to understand as people of God that God made one race, that is the human race, and we are all made in what? In the image of God. You are made in the image of God. Whether you believe it or not, let me tell you today, let me be the first one maybe to tell you that you are made in the likeness and the image of the almighty God of the universe. It's a beautiful thing. We're so different though, right? which is what's interesting. God made one race, human race, yes, but yet we have different cultures and different races that we, it's technically somewhat of a social construct. And we have all these different cultures and we're worshiping Jesus as one, celebrating our differences, but understanding that we are all one. It's kind of an interesting dichotomy. So how do we do this? How do we come together as one in a world that is so divided on the race issue? Where do we start? Well, we're gonna look at our nation's history. We're gonna to look to God's word and we're gonna see what both of those things have to say today. Can we do that? We good? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this word that you've given me. Help it not to be me, but you. Help us to open our eyes, ears, and hearts to receive a word from you today, to be open to just learning something maybe that we've never learned before, to be open to having a conversation about something that maybe we've never had a conversation about before and to look to your word and to look to who you are for guidance. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Okay, so uh, racism. We talk about this word as a whole, racism. What does that encompass? Well, many people say there's four different kinds of racism. Now, I'm not gonna get into all four of them. I'm gonna kind of uh, combine them in a sense into two different forms of, of racism. A lot of people think well, racism is just racism. No, there's different kinds of of it. And so Dr. Tony Evans, he is a prominent black pastor from the uh, DFW area. Incredible, uh, sm smart, intelligent, eloquent man of God who pastors a church up there. And uh, he puts personal racism and systemic racism like this. Personal racism is the conscious or unconscious belief of superiority of one race over another, which manifests itself in a variety of dismissive, oppressive, or exploitive ways. So that's personal racism. But then systemic racism is different. It says systemic racism is the presence or effects of racist practices or processes embedded in and shaping the social, political, economic, legal, infrastructural, educational, medical systems and policies of a society, initially established and perpetuated by the government 
These give an unjust advantage of resources, rights, mindsets, and privilege for a majority of one race or ethnicity while limiting it to a majority of another race or ethnicity. So I know that's a lot of words, okay? So I'm just gonna put it plainly. Personal racism is thinking, is saying or thinking or believing white people are better than black people. That's personal racism. We all agree that that is wrong. And nobody is gonna say that that kind of attitude or that kind of belief or that kind of action is okay. Systemic racism, uh, that's kind of where things get a little different, right? And people have differing views on this. But it is simply a system of oppression that lifts up one race and pushes down another. So I'm gonna talk about personal racism first and then we'll talk about systemic, which is what I really wanna spend most of our time on today. Personal racism, well, we know that America was founded on Judeo-Christian values. Judeo-Christian values. Belief that all men are created equal and belief in God. But no nation is without its flaws, right? And the Bible itself, the same Bible that says that all men are created equal and this is what they used in their, uh, in their documents is the same Bible that was used to justify slavery and racism was rampant in this nation. It's an unfortunate reality but there's so many forms of personal racism. And even you could kind of get into this as a little institutional racism as well, but lynch culture was from 1882 to 1968, y'all. Thousands of black brothers and sisters all over the nation, but really a lot of it was right here in Texas. Now, a lot of Texans, we don't want to think about that. We don't want to talk about that, but man, Texas had a whole lot of problems. And this is one thing I want to say right off the bat. When we start talking about racism, people think, well, that was a long time ago. No, it wasn't. It was not that long ago. Guys, the civil rights movement was in the 60s. There are people alive today that were there in the civil rights movement, okay? There's people alive today that were a part of this. Maybe they were even kids, but man, they might remember some of these things. And there's family members, especially there's sons and there's daughters and there's grandkids that have been told stories by their grandparents, by their parents of things that happened back in the 60s and even before. So we talk about racism like it's this thing that's long gone and so long ago. No, no, no. Listen, there were people being literally killed because of the color of their skin, lynched all the way up until the 60s. So it's not that long ago. We got to understand that. The KKK was another form of personal racism, an awful, awful organization that would take part in this lynching culture, but also would even burn people alive. And they would actually put political pressure on people to make sure that black men did not get in positions of authority. That's another thing that people don't realize the KKK did. It wasn't just about harming people physically, but it was about harming them and them getting to the next level. But then there's current racist groups. who think, well, there's no racist groups now today. Come on, absolutely there are. And they are very loud about it. They're very loud about it. And they use online tools to incite violence today. And they have no shame about it. They'll tell you straight up. But more often than not, what you see on TikTok and on Instagram and the places that we look, is you just see these videos of like just like your everyday racist person, right? 
the terrible people that you see uh, where someone is just saying something absolutely abhorrent to somebody else. And you're like, what in the world? Like, why would you think that way? Why would you say something like that? Are you kidding me? And you see these different videos. There's so many examples. I don't even want to give you one because you've all seen one. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you know somebody like this. I, I sure hope that you've never seen something like this before in person. But man, I've seen lots of videos. And you might have experienced something. I want to talk for a second to our Hispanic brothers and sisters here. You might have seen a video, something like this. Why don't you just go back to your country? You ever heard that or seen that before? I know I have. Listen, I lived in San Antonio for a few years. R racism against people of color down there is most certainly a thing. Our Hispanic brothers and sisters, go back to your own country. Man, I was born here. Where do you want me to go? Like, this is my country. Yet they say it, they don't even care if you're from here or not. They just say it as an attack. People that are speaking Spanish is their first language. They say, well, why don't you just speak English? This is stuff that we hear on a regular basis, stuff that we see. Um, but it's terrible what happens in our world. I was talking to a, a pastor buddy of mine from Austin, and he said, we think that this racist thing was so long ago that racism is just long gone. No, 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 it's still happening today. It's even happening on the campus of the University of Texas. He had a, uh, another friend of his who has a son, goes to University of Texas and just a couple years ago. He shows up to his dorm room on campus and has a noose on his door, a young African-American man just trying to go to his dorm room at college. Now, let me just tell you right now, there is nothing that you could ever put on my door that will ever incite fear within me like putting a noose on the door of an African-American man would incite in him. I don't even understand. You couldn't say anything to me. You couldn't put anything on my door because I've never been through anything like that. Like you think that he doesn't know the history of what his father and what his grandfather and what people in his life have gone through? Of course he does. So we say it's so long ago. No, 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 listen, racism is alive and well today. And these are all examples of personal racism, not systemic this is personal, a little bit of institutional as well. Let me just say to y'all right here, right now, if you struggle with racist thoughts and attitudes as a believer, I wanna remind you of a couple of things real quick. Adam and Eve were not white, okay? They weren't white, y'all. Jesus was not white, okay? I don't care how many times you see him portrayed as some white dude, he was not white. In fact, if Jesus walked in in his bodily form that he looked like when he was on earth, if he walked through the doors right now, people be ducking for cover thinking he was a terrorist. Let's be real, okay? For real. That would actually happen. I can almost guarantee it. Because he doesn't look like us. He doesn't look like me. We would think this dude looks a very different. Why? Because there's prejudice and there's biases maybe that we have, okay? We don't understand that Christianity is not a European religion, y'all. It is a Middle Eastern religion that was brought to Europe, that was then brought to the States, okay? So Jesus was a Jew. He had dark skin. It's a Middle Eastern religion. So I just need you to understand 
that when you see pictures of Jesus as this white guy, you just gotta redo that in your mind, okay? Because that's not how it is. So personal racism, I don't really wanna talk too much about that today because I think that everybody understands that all those things I just talked about are wrong, amen? Like we are all in agreement there. And yet there's, there's many people that aren't. There's many people that, and if you're in this place today, you need to repent. Come on, that's just the only thing I can say to you right now is you need to repent of that sin because it is always a sin to think somebody is less than you because of their skin color, because of the amount of melanin that they have. Come on, can I get an amen? That is a sin. It is against God because they're created in the image of God, the same way that you are. But what I wanna talk about a little bit more is the idea of systemic racism because that's where I think some people are divided on. And, and maybe we can make some more progress in this conversation on race. We talk about this. Systemic racism, I wanna make this statement to you and I really want you to maybe write this down or just let this soak in. Systemic racism can thrive without personal racism. Systemic racism can thrive without personal racism. You can have a group of people that are not personally racist, but because of the systems that have been set up, racism itself could actually be perpetuated. I'll give you some examples. Uh, there's one prominent uh, thing that we're talking about uh, in, in Congress right now, the thing that we're talking about, political uh, uh, leaders are talking about this and they're talking about it at school board meetings. You've probably seen a whole bunch of these videos, but it's critical race theory, CRT. You might've heard of this before. If you haven't, where have you been? Because it is all over the place. But CRT, as Dr. Tony Evans also puts it, he says it's a post-civil rights social construct that seeks to demonstrate how the embedded foundation and filter through which racist attitudes, behavior, policies, and structures have been rooted throughout the fabric of American life and systems even after the laws were changed even after the laws were changed. Some of this stuff has just been rooted into the fabric of America. Let me give you some examples of these laws that were just overtly racist, right? The idea of redlining. You ever heard of redlining before? Uh, the 1930s, the government basically drew maps uh, with red lines around certain communities, predomin predominantly black communities that were considered hazardous, okay? And so what did this affect? Uh, this affect housing. So the federal government would give less money. They didn't want to invest into these communities. They wanted to invest in the more predominantly white communities. Mortgages were not giving, given to people of color, even if they were qualified for those mortgages. Then what happens? There's many other things I could talk about with redlining, but the idea is that generational wealth is built on one side of the highway and it's not on the other. Generational wealth is built on one side of the tracks and it's not on the other. The home values rise on one side and because businesses are not investing in the other side, well, the home values decline and there's more poverty. Education is another thing that we could talk about. Man, local property taxes, for the most part, just determine school resources. You gotta understand these property values rising over here, they got a whole lot more property tax to fund the schools in these areas and a whole lot less to fund the schools in these other areas. In, in the predominantly white neighborhoods, you have higher paid teachers. You have less high school dropouts. Better schools are built. And in the other side of the tracks, the opposite is true as well. 
So these laws got changed eventually, but the generations have been affected by it even to this day. And I think that's what we really need to understand. Jim Crow laws, terrible, racist laws that basically said that segregation was legal. And we could talk a whole lot about that, but these laws were eventually changed as well. But even today, you still see its effects. Look at any single big city and you will see that there is still some element of segregation. You'll see where the communities were. You could even probably look at the different cities that you might've been to or live in. You could probably figure out which of the communities were redlined just by the way that they look or just because what you know about the city. You could probably point it out on a map just by drawing a line around it. I bet you could. And I'm gonna give you an example here about a system that was set up. It's not personal racism, but it was a system. Dr. Tony Evans, once again, gives an incredible personal testimony of systemic racism. Uh, Their church in Dallas is next to a golf course. And for many, many years, black people were not allowed to play on this golf course. Uh, Jim Crow era kind of stuff, all right? They just weren't allowed to play on the course. Uh, Eventually the ownership went to, uh, it was a member owned course. And so to, to become a member at the golf club, you had to have an existing member recommend you and then be voted in with two thirds of the vote. So it wasn't until 1994 that a black man was first voted in. 1994. Guys, that's not that long ago, okay? And there were many that actually tried but failed to vote. Do you see how there's a a system that was set up? Technically doesn't say anything about race, but yet there's a system set up that actually is denying a black man to enter the course because it has to be approved by all the white men, okay? And so listen, you might not have personally voted. Let's say you got a buddy, um, you got a black buddy. You're like, hey man, you wanna be a part of this club? I would love for you to be part of it. Let's go. So you recommend him. You vote for him. You do the right thing. You might say, well, I'm not racist. Like I'm not a racist. I did the right thing. I, I recommended him and I, I voted the right way and all that stuff. And yet that could be 100% true. You might not be a personal racist, but yet you are a part of the system that now denies this man an opportunity that everybody else has. Does that make sense? So CRT at its core, at its core, is concerned with the systems that got us to where we are, not the individual It's not concerned with you personally. It's concerned with the system. Now, with that definition, you might not be that opposed to CRT, right? You're like, that actually sounds, yeah, that makes sense. It's more concerned with the history and the laws and what's got us to where we are at. But there have been many things that have been added to CRT that make it much more problematic today. The 1619 Project says that America did not begin in 1776, but in 1619, when slavery was introduced, the colonies, uh, it says that they wanted to be free from England, not to escape English tyranny, but to perpetuate slavery. And this gets now plugged into CRT, and it says, well, America was established as a racist nation. It will always be a racist nation. And then the Black Lives Matter movement, and then the organization. Now, I need to make a clarifying statement, is that these are two different things. There's Black Lives Matter as empathy, the empathetic statement. And then there's Black Lives Matter as the organization. 
I just want to make sure that we are all on the same page here at Radical Church is that saying Black Lives Matter ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying black lives matter. Do we understand that all lives matter? Of course we understand that all lives matter. But man, we have to understand that when our black brothers and sisters are going through something in 2020 and they're dealing with these issues that their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents have dealt with for hundreds of years in our nation, like I will never understand what it's like to be pulled over by a cop and fear for my life. I will never get that. I cannot understand that. And I'm smart enough and I'm at least humble enough, I guess, to understand that I'm never going to understand. And that's okay. But there are people in this world that they, when they get pulled over, man, they heard a story about somebody else that got pulled over for absolutely nothing. And they know. They know why they got pulled over. They know that they're getting extra questions because of how they look. Okay, and is every cop evil and bad? Come on, absolutely not. We know that. But are there some out there that might be racist to this day? Yes, and we have to be able to acknowledge that. So Black Lives Matter as a statement, man, it's simply standing in solidarity saying, hey, listen, I don't understand, man, what you've been through. Man, I'm with you. You're hurting, I'm hurting. Let's have a conversation. Can you help me understand? And yet Black Lives Matter as an organization, is just terrible. Uh, they put in their founding documents that they want to destroy the nuclear family. And this is a God-ordained institution, the family. Husband, wife, and children. That is the nuclear family. And they have said explicitly that they want to tear that thing down. This is a God-ordained idea. God set it up. And so we can't support that. It also says in their founding documents that they're trained Marxists. They've said this as well. And, and as an empathetic statement, then I can support Black Lives Matter. As an entity, as an organization, I cannot. But Marxism seeks to divide people into tribes and groups. This is what Marxism at its core is all about. It uses the oppressor and oppressed language. Basically, the idea in, in somewhat of an extreme form says that all white people are oppressors and all black people are oppressed victims. And it makes race the primary defining characteristic of a person, which we know that is not true by the word of God. We know that God says that we do not look at the outside, but we look at what? The heart. We don't look at outward appearance. We look at the heart. So this is an anti-biblical stance, is that race defines you and is the most important defining factor of who you are. And that's simply not true biblically. But the new CRT with all these things kind of added onto it, is saying, I am probably the worst possible person in the world, okay? Because I'm white, I'm male, I'm heterosexual, and I'm a Christian. It was like the worst possible things that you could be according to some people in this world that we live in. It says basically that I'm an oppressor uh, and I should repent for being white. And listen, I reject that idea. I might not be racist, but CRT assumes that I am because I'm complicit in the systems that perpetuate racism. And that racism is only possible for white people. Let me tell you one thing. You should not repent for the color of your skin, no matter what you are. Man, the amount of melanin in your skin does not determine your worth. And if I repent for being white, I'm repenting for how God made me. And I'm saying that God now has done something wrong. I'm not gonna say that God made me wrong 
the same way that I'm not gonna say that God made you wrong. God made you exactly how he wanted you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made is what the word of God says. It says that he knit you together in your mother's womb and you should be proud of who you are. And it says that racism is only possible for white people. Black people can't be racist because of the power structure. First off, I don't care what word you use. We get into semantics sometimes. It's like, well, you, know, you can't be racist. It's more prejudice or discrimination or, or, or whatever it might be. Listen, let me just make this statement. I don't care what word that you use. If you are white, black, or anything in between, and you believe that someone else is less than you because of the color of their skin, you need to repent. Like call it whatever you want. Use whatever word you want. I don't care. It's wrong, amen? We can all agree on that, that if you think somebody is less because of the color of your skin, I don't care how you define the word and the semantics of it, it is wrong and it is not from God. But if you honestly can say, hey man, I know I'm not a racist. I've treated people well. I've tried the best I can to fight against these structures and even personally, I do the best I can. But listen, don't repent for being white. Why? Because that's how God made you. And you should thank God for how he made you. But what should we all do? And let me talk to the white people in the room a little bit, okay? I'm gonna do that just for a second. Or I'm talking to myself here today. What is something that all Americans should do, but especially white folks, okay? We have to learn our nation's history. We have to. If you do not learn your history, you are doomed to repeat it. And yet so many of our textbooks don't even have in there some of the things that our black brothers and sisters have gone through. We don't even talk about it. Why? Because we think it's so far gone, right? Like it's, it's over. Like we don't need to talk about this anymore, right? No, not at all. We have to understand and we have to have conversations, be open to having a conversation about how the past sins of America affect people today because it does. We have to understand that some people of color have been held back by structures and systems, not just by individuals. It is happening and we need to actively fight any structure or system that holds down any people group but especially our black brothers and sisters, especially because of what they have gone through, especially because of the stories that maybe you don't even know about, but man, they know about. Racism, injustice, bigotry, and prejudice to any group should never be perpetuated by the people of God, and yet it has been for hundreds of years. It was for a very long time in this nation. And I believe that racism isn't just a, a skin issue. I do believe it's a sin issue as well. Hey, but God's people should be at the forefront of radical unity, amen? We just talked about this idea. I believe truly in my heart, when we get to heaven, man, it's gonna be people from all tribes, all tongues, all nations, all worshiping Jesus together. We have to be the leaders in unity because if the church can't even do it, how do we expect people outside the church to do it? They don't even hold the same ideals that we do that all people are created equal that all people are created in the image of God himself. So if we can't even be united on this thing, then how can we expect anybody else to be united, displaying radical unity regardless of race or ethnicity? And there was a man that was at the forefront 
of this for years during the civil rights movement, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. And he said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't think we're fully there yet, but man, are we a lot closer. I don't think we're there, but we're getting there. And thank God for that. We're one of the most racially diverse countries in the world. One of the most tolerant countries in the world. And this is Pew Research. There's still some things like a racial wage gap. We could talk about that and the reasons for that. But listen, I'm not here to debate policy right now. There's lots of different things that we could do politically and in our government and in our nation to, uh, to right wrongs and to help people that have been oppressed. But let me tell you, we have come a long way in our fight for equality. And I wanna thank God for that. We should thank God for that. The Civil War was fought, which led to Abraham Lincoln signing the Emancipation Proclamation, January 1st, 1863, and all slaves were set to be free. Thank God for that. Not all slaves were free though. And that's why we celebrate Juneteenth. And thank God for that. Juneteenth is a, is a holiday now that we get to celebrate together. June 19, 1865, almost two years later, General Gordon Granger and his troops marched right into Galveston, Texas and announced that the slaves that were still under control of their masters, who didn't get the news yet, were set free. Come on, praise God for that. We fixed most of the discriminatory and racist laws. The Civil Rights Act of 1964, prohibited discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 prohibited racial discrimination in voting. The Fair Housing Act outlawed redlining, that law that we were just talking about earlier. We've had a black president, a black vice president currently, a cabinet members, Congress members, CEOs, athletes, and et cetera, et cetera. You could go all down the line. And we should thank God that we have made progress. The USA is not perfect, y'all. We have to understand that. We are not perfect. Our past is not perfect. We have sins in our past that we at least need to acknowledge at the minimum. We need to acknowledge that. But we're in a much better place than we've ever been. And thank God for that. Thank God for the progress we've made, that we've moved the ball forward all while recognizing that there's still work to be done. There's still policies that need to be changed. There's systems that can be improved, textbooks that need to be updated. Guys, I lived in Oklahoma for five years. When I moved to Oklahoma in 2015, they had just put in the textbooks, Black Wall Street. If you've never heard of Black Wall Street before, once again, we gotta educate ourselves. Hundreds of black businessmen and women were massacred in Tulsa, Oklahoma, simply for the color of their skin. And it wasn't even in the textbook for Oklahoma history until just a little over 10 years ago. Do we understand why that's a problem? This is a big deal, guys. We have to educate ourselves on these things. We need to have conversations. There's conversations that need to be had. There's mindsets that need to be shifted and changed. In Isaiah Chapter one, God says, learn to do good. Seek justice. Fight oppression. Stand up for the oppressed. 
two different ways that you could translate that. We have to stand up for people that have been oppressed. Why? Because God is a God of justice and a God of equality for all people as image bearers of God, regardless of your race, ethnicity, culture, who you are in this place today. You are an image bearer of God. And we have to fight for equality for all people. And Jesus gives us a great example to follow. John chapter four with the woman at the well. There's this idea of intersectionality. I'm not gonna get too deep into it, but it's the idea that you could be discriminated against based off of multiple different things. Basically, the idea is, okay, if you're a black man, you're discriminated in this way. But if you're a black woman, you're discriminated in this way. If you're a lesbian black woman, you're discriminated in more ways. Does that make sense? Jesus had every reason to discriminate against the woman at the well. He had three, as a matter of fact. Number one, she was what? A Samaritan woman. Jews did not associate with Samaritans. In fact, the Bible says, and lean in here. I know they're coming up, but I need you to hear this. The Bible says that the Jews viewed Samaritans as half-breeds. Do you know what that sounds a whole lot like? Then in the founding documents of America, that slaves were considered three-fifths of a person. Sounds a whole lot like that, right? Samaritan. So they didn't even view them as, as fully human in a sense. She was a woman as well. And, and, and Jewish men, especially rabbis, were not supposed to talk to women. Women were second class. Men, we've come a long way in that too, amen? And she was also a sinner. Why? We know that she was an adulterer. She had been with five other dudes. The guy she was with right now is not even her husband. So she's a Samaritan woman and a sinner. What a lot of people don't know about this story, Jesus had no business going through Samaria. The Jews, because of their hatred for Samaritans, would go around Samaria. Even if it made the trip a lot longer, they would go around just so they didn't have to come across a Samaritan. You know what that sounds a whole lot like? Going to the other side of the street because there's a person of another race walking down. Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, it was weird that he did in that culture, but he chose to go through Samaria. He didn't have to stop and talk with her. He chose to stop and talk with her. He broke racial barriers that day, y'all. This is what was happening. The disciples come up to him and they are confused. They're like, Jesus, um, what are you doing? Go read it for yourself. You can tell that there's just this level of uneasiness amongst the disciples. Why are you talking to this woman? She's obviously Samaritan. And the reason that she's here at the well right now is because she's been rejected by the rest of her community. She's an outcast. Why are you talking to this woman? And yet Jesus displays what it's like to see someone through God's eyes as a daughter of God and not by the labels that we use for each other. He says, yeah, I know she's Samaritan. I know that she's a woman. I know that she's a sinner. I know all of that. But ultimately, she's a daughter of the Most High God. And I'm going to treat her with respect and love just like I would anybody else. He's not ignoring the differences, ignoring that we are different. He's not doing that. But he's just saying, it's not going to affect how I treat this person or talk to this person. I'm not going to ignore her, walk around. And many people in this room, we have just ignored the issue. 
And this is what I think Jesus is trying to get across to us. Man, don't go around the issue. Tackle it head on. Like, let's have a conversation about race. Let's talk to our black brothers and sisters. Let's talk to uh, our Hispanic or Latino people in the room that have faced racism in America. Let's talk to somebody about it. Let's be open at least. At least have a conversation about it. Don't go around it. Tackle it head on. As the people of God, we should be the most willing to do that. He broke racial barriers and an entire city was saved because Jesus was willing to go and have the conversation. God tells us not to judge by outward appearances, but by the heart, amen? I'm gonna give you some Bible and I'm gonna, I just want us to get so unified around this stuff. And then we're gonna sing a great song. Acts 10, 28, this is Paul, he says, you know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. No one is unclean. No one is less than because we are all created in the image of God. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. No male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Unity is the most important quality. Amen. We have to be passionate about unity because we are all one race all made in the image of God, one in Christ Jesus. We don't have to deny that we are different in order to be unified. We don't have to deny our individual cultures in order to be unified. We do have to have a heart for the oppressed. That's what Isaiah 117 says. We do have to bring reconciliation and love in order to be unified to one another. God has given us this ministry of reconciliation. It's our job to reconcile people back to Christ. But how cool would it be if not only do we reconcile people back to our heavenly father, but we can reconcile with one another. Come on now. That's what the people of God should be about. It's the job of a believer to reconcile racial tension by breaking down barriers wherever we see them. This is the heart of God. This is what Jesus did. And this is what we should do. So as a response, I think we have a whole lot more in common than we do different. We're all looking for the same thing, but we're all looking for love. We're all looking for acceptance. We're all looking uh, for somebody to love us and to be loved. We're all looking for God in one way or the other, whether you believe it or not. We're all looking for something that's bigger than ourselves. We have so much more. There's a book that my son Oakland and I read. It's a, a Sesame Street book. We're all different. We're all the same. And I love that book because it says, hey, like we all have ears. They all look a little different, but we all have them. We all have hair. We all look different, but we all have it. Many different cultures Many different people, because we all have a nose, we have a mouth, we all have skin. It might look different, but we all have it. And it's showing this idea that we're different, but yet we can be unified. We can celebrate our differences. In fact, the Bible says, celebrate your differences. There are different cultures and people groups, and that's a great thing. Why? Because God has institutionalized every single one of them. And yet we can all be unified together as one. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this real quick. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. This is in the last days. This is the vision from John. This is what it's gonna look like in heaven one day. He says, after this, I looked and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice 
Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen? Revelation 19, 6, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. God's word says that one day we will all gather, every tongue, every nation, every tribe, with every language, and we will all be singing the same song, y'all. Hallelujah! God Almighty reigns. We will all be together one day. Every color, every nation, every people group. We're all going to be doing this. We're all going to be singing the same song. It might be in different languages. You might not even understand the person next to you, but man, we're singing the same thing. So I want us to stand in this place today. There's a, there's a song from the Newsboys in 2002. Come on now, somebody. It's called He Reigns. And it takes these two passages, Revelation right here, 19, 6, and Revelation 7, 9 through 10. It takes these two passages and they wrote a song with it, talking about unity, celebrating the different areas of the world and, and the different ways that we can come together and unite as one to sing the same song. And so I want us to sing this as an act of unity today, to understand that, man, we got some work to do, but thank God for where we are today. And let's do the work. Let's put in the time. Let's have the conversations. And let's be unified as the people of God. Because, man, if we can't do it, then who can? So let's be the change. Let's be the difference.